It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. Hope everybody had an enjoyable and happy Thanksgiving. But the football schedule does not slow down for anybody because there is a football game at MetLife Stadium today. There's a football game on Sunday. We have a lot to break down and multiple ways if you interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. You can also directly interact with the two of us. I'm at Lance Meadow, one word, last name, M-E-D-O-W. He is at Giants W-F-A-N. And Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football Giants. And a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So, Brian Dable spoke to the media right before we got here on the show. So, let's go over the injury report, as we always do, Paul, on a Friday. Yeah. And no major surprises. Evan Neal has been ruled out. He's been dealing with his ankle issue for the last several weeks. Then you've got Dexter Lawrence with the hamstring, Darius Slayton with his neck. So, he said that both were not going to practice today. Game time decision. Correct. But that in all likelihood, they would be listed as doubtful, mm-hmm. I believe is the term that mm-hmm. he had thrown out there. So that could be interpreted in a variety of different ways. But you know more than likely when a guy's listed as doubtful, if indeed that does come to fruition, we don't have the injury report yet, the chances of them getting out there, I would say, is probably on the low percentage side. Well, as I say, uh, he mentioned they will take it all the way up until game time. That qualifies to me as game time decision. Sure, I understand. But so we'll see. I'd be curious, though, if a player, though, is listed as doubtful. Remember, you're also battling the NFL rules and regulations. Yeah, the, the percentages are not playing. good. I get yeah. it. I get so, it. That's something. Adoree Jackson, though, is is on his way. He uh, he's he's cleared a number of steps in the protocol. Had some contact yesterday. They're waiting to see if he clears another step in the protocol today. So there's a possibility that he may be back on Sunday. And they're going up against the New England team that has struggled just like the Giants to score points. Oh I mean, boy, this is the bottom two NFL offenses mm-hmm. in the league. You're looking at number 31, which is New England, number 32, which is the Giants. Yeah. And both teams are trying to get into rhythm. You've got New England trying to determine who they want to start at quarterback. Though, I think all signs indicate, Paul, based on what Bill O'Brien, the offensive coordinator, said when he spoke to the media earlier this week, that Mac Jones got first-team reps when they returned after the bye. Usually, that's a good indication that he's probably in the he driver's seat. He said Zappi and Greer also got first-team He did, too. but he specifically, when he was speaking to the media, and this was earlier in the week, so granted mm. a few days have happened, he made a point of emphasis that I Mac saw that. was out there. He did, the first team but the other yeah. two guys also got first-team Sure, reps. but it, it was said in a and way— And that's three days ago? Well, he spoke to two the media ago. on Monday. Was it Monday? Yeah. Yeah. Today's Thursday. Today's Friday. It's not even Thursday. It's Friday. Who knows what's happened in the last three days, four days? Who knows? Which is why Brian Dable this morning said, look, I prepped for all four quarterbacks, including Cunningham, who's yeah. on the practice squad. He, he's like, I've watched every snap that every one of those quarterbacks has taken pro and even some in college. 
because the Giants will not get caught sleeping at this. Well, and he also knows a lot of these guys from scouting on the college level Mm -hmm. and recruiting, too. So he's crossed paths with a lot of these players. Plus, the other reason why I'm leaning towards Mac Jones is the MO for the Patriots this season has been Mac gets taken out of a game. Remember, three times he hasn't finished the game, and then we go back to square one all over again, right? Have they actually had a point where Mac has been removed from a game and then Bailey Zappi starts the following week? That has yet to happen. that has not happened So I'm just looking at the evidence and the trend. I think at this point, the safe bet is Mac Jones. But listen, no matter who is under center, the Patriots have struggled to put points on the board. They have. They have. It's not as if there's a huge difference, even if they decide to shake things up. And one of the reasons why they have struggled is twofold. Number one, like the Giants, play of the offensive line. And number two, their group of receivers hasn't necessarily exceeded expectations. Now, I'm not saying that they have a bunch of pro bowlers on the roster, but Paul, they've gone through free agency, whether it be Juju Smith-Schuster, Devontae Parker, you have... Demario Douglas, who probably has been the most consistent guy, the guy that's shown the most flashes, their young wide receiver who they drafted this past season. Outside of that... Well, Bourne is hurt. Correct. Well, he tore his ACL, and he right. was the guy that was by far their go-to weapon. But outside of him, I would say Douglas has shown that he could be a go-to guy, game in and game out. Once again, the sample size is relatively small with respect to him. I think the other huge problem, and you're right, the receiver's room has not exactly been exemplary, but the other problem is Mac Jones is, is just not having a very good season. Now, again, we can always talk about factors that impede a quarterback's productivity. And there are things like not having a great receiver's room, having a very mediocre one-two punch in the running game, uh, an offensive line that has not played well. These are all valid reasons that have hindered Mac Jones, but he also has not played well. Sure. I mean, he's got 10 interceptions, which is tied for third most in the NFL, and they are a minus six in turnover ratio, which clearly impedes your offensive progress. Well... The defense has been put in situations pretty much on a consistent basis where they have to defend a short field. And they're pretty good on defense. You know those interceptions. They are. Actually, they're very good. They're holding teams under 100 yards on the ground. And the Mm -hmm. secondary, despite the fact that, think about what they've gone through. No Christian Gonzalez, their rookie corner out of Oregon, right? Mm -hmm. They lost him. Mm -hmm. No Matt Judon, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. They lost him in week four. Mm -hmm. Jack Jones, they parted ways with who was on the back end, and then they brought back J.C. Jackson for the Chargers, and he's been hit or miss and off-the-field issues. So it has been an evolving door, and a revolving door, I would say, too, no matter how you want to spin it, on the back end, on the front end, and to your point, New England has held its own on the defensive side of the ball. Well, I think it's important to note that over the the course of the season, their 19th and third down defense, which is... Uh, Not so bad, considering, obviously, what their record is. But 16th in terms of yardage per game allowed, 9th against the run at 98 yards a game, and uh, tied for 18th against the pass at 228 yards a game. Uh, These are all much more respectable numbers that a 2-8 record would indicate. I mean, that's just the bottom line. The, the offense has made too many mistakes, not had enough production, and it's and it's resulted in a very bad season for Coach Belichick. But defensively, I would not sneeze at this team at all. 
And yeah. in fact, this is going to be a challenge. Let, let's not kid ourselves. Tommy DeVito, who gets his first pro NFL start at home, okay? He's been on the road the last couple of weeks. Now he gets to be home. And <laughs> he said uh, the Jets' home game in the preseason, he had over 200 friends and family here for that game. He claims this is going to be fun. He's like, no, no, road games are harder because everybody's against you. He thinks this is going to be fun and exciting. I just wonder, A, how many people he's going to have. He said he wouldn't be buying tickets for a whole bunch of people except his mom, his dad, and his brother. <laughs> he said everybody else has to fend for themselves. Yes. But there's going to be a lot of Bosco people here pulling for Tommy DeVito. And after he raised the level of expectation with three touchdown passes against Washington, I would have to believe that there's more pressure on him now. And he's going up against Bill Belichick. Let's not forget. That's Bill Belichick we're talking about. Sure. Do you know what his head coaching record is against rookie quarterbacks? Career? Well, it's pretty Do you have good. any idea? I don't know the numbers off the it's top of my head. It's 25 yeah. and 8. Though Sam Howell, who I know is not a rookie, but only played one game the previous year, he and the Commanders did beat the Patriots I get it. this season. Yeah. But that's a pretty lopsided number. Oh, without a doubt. And it's an expected lopsided number. Of course it is. I mean, based on his track So, yeah. So, you know, to me... I don't care about the one-loss records. I know the situation that Tommy DeVito and the Giants are in. This would be a significant feather in his cap if he can pull out a win on Sunday. Well, considering what Belichick and company are going to throw his way, absolutely. If he can have success against this defense, which we talked about, has very respectable numbers. I mean, I was even looking at where this defense is relative to Belichick's career, right? Because he's always had mm -hmm. a really good defense. And it just goes to show you how good Belichick's defenses have been. The Patriots are giving up just under 24 points per game. Now, if you were to tell me a defense is surrendering under 24 points per game, I would say, I think you're putting your team in a position to win. Under 24 is not terrible. It's not, uh... not that's not a bad number. Meaning you, in today's NFL... You'd love not, to get it under 21. But but I think if you can say to your offense, can you give us 23 or 24 points? I don't think that's asking It's respect. Much. It's, it's what I'm respectable. Middle and, of the pack. And that's what I'm getting at. But that puts them tied for 23rd in the NFL. Okay, mm -hmm. so clearly it's in the bottom half of the league. If they finish well, there... Bottom third. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm putting it at the midway point. If they finish there at tied for 23rd, okay. meaning if that's how the season ends... Mm -hmm. That is going to be the most points allowed in a season in Belichick's Patriots tenure. That doesn't surprise me. But he, once he, again, that number doesn't seem astronomical. No, but that shows you how great the guy is. <laughs> Correct, and well, that was he, my point. He doesn't yeah. have any A-listers really on this defense right now. Well, he's lost his A-listers. Okay, in yeah. the past, he's always had a couple, yeah. at least a couple. Sure. Right now, not the case, and yet... You know, they're still playing very difficult defense for teams to decipher. And that's because he's still a mastermind. He still knows everything that you need to do to prepare for a game. And then all the in-game adjustments that his guys are going to make. You know, the, these are things that are staples of the Belichick D. And they haven't changed. And even though the team is struggling some, it doesn't matter. This is still, as Dable said today, Brian Dable said when he was asked about what makes their D, he goes... They play good team defense. Yeah. And he makes adjustments at any time during the course of the game. Those are the two things about a Belichick defense that have never changed no matter who has been on the field. 
That's what they do. That's the Patriots' way. That's why I don't want to hear all this stuff about, oh, the Brady way. Brady's gone. They lost their way. No. There is still a Belichick way and a Patriots way. That still exists, Lance. And don't think that it doesn't. Well, because you have a coaching staff that feeds off of Belichick's direction. That hasn't changed. Of course not. Whether Tom is there or not. And once again, the defense operates separately from Tom Brady all of those years. I mean, think about it. Tom has a few Super Bowls, let's not forget, because of plays that the defense made Mm -hmm. under the guidance of Bill Belichick and his coaching staff. The one that comes to mind the most is the Seattle Super Bowl. When Marshawn Lynch, they didn't pound the ball. Tom doesn't get a ring if... You don't get that That's right. great defensive play at the goal line. Let's which, not forget about that. Which had been coached up against during that specific Correct. play during yep. the week. Because they were anticipating that look. They knew sure. it. Yeah. So that, to me, is a great example. That's a great example of why yep. Belichick is the genius that he is. And I, I refuse to allow Brady to walk out the door with all those accolades. But it's still the great Belichick. But what has changed is you know what you get out of Tom Brady. On a weekly basis. Yes. You know he makes good decisions. He protects the football. They have not had that luxury with Mac Jones. And now what you're doing, Paul, is the dynamics have shifted for this Patriots team because now you're putting more of the onus on the defense. Yeah. And you're asking the defense to clean up a lot that they normally have not had to do. And while the defense is well-disciplined and crafty, which I wholeheartedly agree, the one element, though, that's missing that they need... They're not getting a lot of sacks. They're not getting a lot of sacks. They're not getting a lot of takeaways, okay? They have 18 sacks, third fewest in the NFL, so they're not applying an overwhelming amount of pressure. And, hey, it's not a surprise. You take Matt Judon off the field, okay? It's going to change things. And we talked about all the shifting of personnel on the back end, and you lose your best cover guy in Christian Gonzalez. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's not a surprise. They have six interceptions. So from that standpoint... Does that mean that Tommy DeVito, who, let's not forget, has done a pretty good job protecting the football? Yes, he has. Okay? And that, I don't think, gets enough attention. Since New England hasn't been overly opportunistic, the expectation should be Tommy should be able to get through this game and protect the football. Because, once again, over the track record of this season, whether Belichick's been great against rookie quarterbacks, Paul, this season in particular, they're not turning the ball over at a high rate. Mm -hmm. So it's not crazy to ask Tommy DeVito to do that. But I think what you were getting at is it's a very different animal when you go from playing a Jack Del Rio defense, okay, and all of the issues on the back end of the commanders, and then in the span of a week, Mm -hmm. okay, now all of a sudden you got Bill Belichick who is cut from an extremely different cloth. And I think that's the challenge that Tommy DeVito is going to experience in the span of a few days. The two factors here involved in this game are, one, Bill Belichick, who always goes to take away your primary player, so he's immediately going to say Barkley. We know Barkley's the guy. Yep. He's the game wrecker. He's the, the, the guy who the Giants want to lean on. And I believe Barkley does have to have a big game for the Giants to win. But we know what Belichick does. He, he advertises it. The MO is, I'm going to take your best player and limit him as much as physically possible. So we already know they're giving up less than 100 yards a game on the ground. So that shouldn't be too hard for Belichick to say, all right, We're going to scheme against Barkley, and we will contain him. I think it's reasonable to think they might be able to do that unless he breaks off a couple of big plays like he has in recent weeks. But then the other key element here is Belichick's ability 
to deceive and confuse inexperienced quarterbacks. Now, Tommy DeVito did a really good job of cutting up a suspect Washington secondary last week. Belichick, with his disguises, his pre-snap motions and configurations and personnel deployment, especially using Jabril Peppers, the former Giant back there, who's one of their safeties and can go in a lot of different spots, Belichick is going to try to see if he can mess with Tommy DeVito's head. Because I think ultimately, even though the Giants need Barkley to have a good game, a good game may not be enough to win unless Tommy DeVito makes a couple of plays. Yeah, I'm completely with you. And I do think that Belichick will hone in on Barkley because, once again, they have a good run defense. And let's face it, as we mentioned, with the way they've played against rookie quarterbacks, you want to see if Tommy DeVito can beat you, right, Paul? I mean, that's what you're talking about. With your coaching staff, with your team, you're saying, guys, let's go out and see if Tommy DeVito can solve our riddle. And if Tommy could do that, we tip the cap. You know Barkley could beat you, right? Correct. So let's see if... The undrafted rookie who's going to be making his third start. The concern, though, for me, for the Giants, is on the opposite side of the ball. Well, if Dexter Lawrence Correct. doesn't play, you're afraid that the Pats will run it. Without a doubt, because you've got Ramondre Stevenson and Zeke Elliott. And I know Zeke's numbers may not jump off the page, but the complementary angle of the two, the physicality of both of them. And, Paul, there's been a noticeable difference even in a game when you take Dexter Lawrence off the field for a snap or two. That's true. So if he's now unavailable for an entire contest, yes, they brought in A'shaun Robinson, they brought in Nacho. Do they have better depth than they do last season? 100%. Well, Davidson will play in there a little bit. Maybe even Jordan Riley might be active this weekend. Because he can get more playing time, especially if Dex is inactive. But they are not Dexter Lawrence. No. Absolutely. There is a distinct difference. You're never going to replace him. It takes a group effort, but they're aware of that. And I would not blame New England. If Dexter doesn't play, I would be running right at any individual Mm -hmm. that fits in the spaces where you put Dexter Lawrence. Take into account Bobby Okereke is playing with a fractured rib, too. Yeah. And he's an excellent part of Uh, the run defense, too. And by the way, Okereke leads the National Football League in tackles against the run this year. He has had a very good season. And Michael McFadden has been really good, too. McFadden's played well, too. After the the first three games, though, Okereke really picked up his game. Something something else. Just terrific. Well, you figure he's more comfortable with the scheme, Exactly. But I will say this, okay? Uh, This is why, if you're the Giants, I hate to say it, but it's a very important factor, especially when you're dealing with an inexperienced quarterback like Tommy DeVito. You need to make sure that the game flow does not get away from you. Because if the game flow goes into the Patriots' direction, and now you're forcing Tommy DeVito to climb uphill, his job becomes monumentally difficult. So if you're the Giants and you want to keep Belichick honest, you want to give Barkley a chance to maybe compile some numbers before he finally breaks one. You want to keep Tommy DeVito out of harm's way. You've got to keep this game flow in a manageable situation. In other words, have a short lead or be even. Don't get down. You do not want to be climbing uphill from the first five minutes of this game. That is that is just a recipe for disaster. And that's why I go back to stopping the run because if New England can run the football, what does that mean? That means the clock keeps moving. It favors them in time of possession. 
So from a game flow standpoint, if they're methodically moving up and down the field, they're finishing drives, you know, that puts now more urgency in the hands of the offense. And yes, you don't want Tommy DeVito and company to be in that trailing position where they have to play from beyond. Not at all. Now, even if it does shift in favor of what we're talking about, New England, the Patriots have yet to prove that they can run away with games regardless of how things are going well for them. Oh, because Mac Jones has thrown some very, very ill-advised interceptions. Well, Paul, they have had, forget Mac Jones, as a team, they have had at least one turnover in nine of their mm -hmm. ten games this season. The only game that was clean was the Jets game. Well, he's had picks in eight of the ten yeah. games. So, once again, they have put themselves in those There's spots no as to why they have not been able to run away with things. Now, you're the Giants. You're not going into a game saying, oh, well, we got six takeaways against Washington. We're going to get six again. <laughs> okay? It doesn't work like that. Now, could they get a takeaway or two? Sure. But the philosophy for the Giants cannot be, oh, Mac Jones has made some bad decisions. He's tried to stuff it into tight angles. We're going to get a takeaway or two. You never go into a game thinking like that. But is it reasonable to think that you can be with New England every step of the way? That Absolutely. this game shouldn't get out of hand? It should not. Absolutely, 100%. Game flow should not be a problem. But yeah. I'm telling you, if it becomes one, it's a very dangerous scenario for the Giants. And, and by the way, I do want to mention there was a transaction made this morning. They signed Randy Bullock, yep. the kicker to the 53, and then uh, put Cade York and we're able to, they got through waivers. They signed him to the practice squad. We should just mention that. Sure. Well, just to clarify, Bullock ran out of elevations. Correct. So they could not promote him again from the practice squad. So they had to make a move. They were forced to make some type of a transaction. And Cade York was signed to the 53-man roster. So they let him go. To your point, he passed through waivers. They bring him back to the practice squad. Bullock is now on the 53. To make a long story short, they flip-flopped. They basically, they traded space. Yes. Because Bullock was on the practice squad, York was on the 53, now it's the reverse, but that is taken care of, they don't have to worry about any future elevations for Randy Bullock now that he's on the 53, so there's no question marks with respect to the kicking game, and in a game like this, and this puts a nice bow on the conversation we're having, Paul, you know, Bullock hasn't been put in a situation thus far where we're talking about an extra point or a field goal, right? And unfortunately, that's been a product of game flow. But this game could come down to a field sure goal could. here, an extra point there. So we may be talking about the kicking game when it's all said and done in a contest like this, given the fact that getting to 20 has been tough sledding for both of these teams. Buffalo, New England is the lone game where the Patriots really had a coming out party on the offensive side of the ball. They put up 29 in that game. And that game came down to the wire, if you recall. Josh Allen and the Bills score late. About a minute left. New England marches down the field, responds. They get the go-ahead touchdown with Mike Kosicki, and the rest is history. But outside of that game, we have not seen the Patriots be able to move the ball as effectively as they did against the Buffalo Bills. But Dexter Lawrence, he's the game changer. Whether or not he's going to be out there is going to determine an awful lot about the outlook of that Giants rushing defense. Final thought regarding yeah. that, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, who signed with the Pats as a free agent this past offseason, uh, has four career 100-yard games against the Giants in 12 tries as a member of Dallas. But here's the thing about it. Well, it helps when you got the Cowboys offensive line, though. No doubt. That department. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, has scored rushing touchdowns. I want to say in the nine of those games. Uh, so he, you know, thorn in the Giants' side for sure over the course of his career. 
averaged something like 90 yards a game on the ground against them. But here's the thing. Uh, this year, he's had one really good game. And it happened to be against the Jets right here at MetLife Stadium. 16 carries for 80 yards. That was his best game of the season. Otherwise, he has been very, very quiet. Well, he sees the NY on the helmet. He's, he's going to be souped up. He's just going to be souped up because that's that's what he does against this team. He has been a real annoying uh, factor uh, against the Giants. So he finds out Dexter Lawrence is not going to play. He's gonna he's gonna want to eat and give me the ball. You know, sure, I'd well, like I'd like to do something with that spoon, but we'll see. <laughs> well, good luck trying to grab that from him. I'm pulling for you, Paul. But I mean, the guy that I'm more concerned about actually is Ramondre Stevenson. I understand. He's, he's their the starter. Lead back. Yeah. He's their starter. And he's dangerous as a receiver. I'm simply too. saying, just yeah. don't sleep on oh, Elliott well, because fair. he's Point playing well the Giants, and I've seen what that guy does against this team. Sure. That's well, it. listen, he's got familiarity with the division because he's not that far removed considering he played with the Cowboys the other season. So is he have a little bit extra motivation? I'm following you there, but Ramondre Stevenson's going to get the bulk of the snaps and more carries than Zeke unless New England finds themselves in a situation where Stevenson is banged up and can't play. And Stevenson is far more dangerous as a receiver based on how they've been utilizing him. He had a big explosive run against the commanders earlier yeah. this season and took it to the house. All right. few reminders before we open up the phone lines as we move forward here on Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Giants Auto Podcast. You can check that out on your favorite podcast platforms. And you can also subscribe to Giants.com slash podcast. And as far as Giants TV is concerned, there is programming across the board all the way, year-round, podcasts, shows, you name it. You can check that out on the Giants TV apparatus as well as, of course, the Giants mobile app. With that being said, let's open up the phone lines as we move forward here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We check in with Tim in Charleston. Tim, welcome aboard. What do you got for us? Hey, guys. Uh, it's nice to be first up. Um, I got one little quick comment on the game, and then Lance, I'm going to make you happy. I think. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> my my comment on the game is just is well, it's really the rest of the season. Is I'm just rooting for Tommy DeVito to continue to play well and put himself in position to be our number two, our backup quarterback next year because he's. A, I mean, you got to admit he's a great story. So that being said. I actually want to have – I have two comments on the podcasts that you guys do. And, Lance, you've done, you do great interviews all the time. So I'm not but, – but the interview you did with Kenny Albert was just so phenomenal. And you asked such great questions and just let him tell his great stories. And your last question about sitting around the table with his father and uncles was, was awesome. So I just want to say, in my humble opinion – that was the best work you've ever done that I've seen, at least on, on the Giants uh, podcast and interviews. It was fantastic. Um, well, I appreciate fantastic that. Fantastic work. Thank you so much. And, and yeah. you, you, you're welcome, man. You, you deserve the kudos. Um, All right. Oh, then, hold on. Hold so, on. Time out. Time okay. out. I have to add <laughs> here that Kenny Albert is a dynamite guy. Sure. Yes. Okay. A yeah, great, a, a great talker great and a really, really – really high-level professional. 
So and the point being, the, the, where the are we getting point, with this, the Paul? Point, the yes. point being that you had an outstanding subject to help make a great. One hundred percent. Well, I think that was the point of what Tim said. The guest and, 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 has to and be the fact that in you, order to get the content. You guys, there you go. Sure. Yeah. So right. give Kenny and, more credit than right, that. Okay. You want to give Kenny that's credit? Give Kenny credit. Oh, no, Listen. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. But it's all I mean, good. It's Kenny all good. Al Kenny Albert could come on and talk for 20 minutes without questions. It'd be interesting. He's, he's a good but dude, Lance, man. He really is. But, but, but Lance asked some really great questions. They're, they're coincidental cool. history and on the NYU radio I'm gonna have station. To listen. I'm going to have to listen to this now. Stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm good. Tim, Tim, <laughs> I will yeah. now listen to this. Wow, wow, Paul, Tim, Tim, that, that I must get have been. I get enough of him during the week. I have no reason to listen to his stuff. <laughs> so, Tim, but I listen to this one. So, as a result, Tim, this is the best phone call that you have had in the history of BBKL <laughs> because you got Paul to actually go out of his way to tune into content that I produced. So, there you go. <laughs> that, Kudos to you. That is yes. something. Yes. And, and the other, the other one, other one, other podcast was the uh, Bob Papa's perspective with uh, Bart Oates the week before. Was just, I was like, Bart Oates must uh, either he's got the greatest memory in the history of retired football players, or he actually, I think he actually must have gone back and watched the film of the game because he was describing individual plays with such detail. That was it was amazing, and that's another great one, Paul. If you haven't watched that, maybe you should consume a little more of the Giants. There you go, Tim. Giants.com yeah. content. Bart you know? is Bart is very very astute. Uh, one of the more intelligent guys you'd ever want to meet. But of course, he was that way as a center too for all those years. And notice, Tim. Yeah, well. See, Paul didn't compliment Bart Oates for being a good guest. So that's all on Bob Papa. <laughs> Bob asked great questions, great talent. It had nothing to do I with Bart Oates. I just praised Bart Oates yes. for his acumen. No, no, but you didn't go out of your way to say what a great guest. <laughs> well, he, he is, is a great guest. Well, He's a okay, great now talker. now you've got it on the record and wow. you said that. We just wow. we need a clarification on that front. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, yeah, He's got that happy, legal background. Same to you, Tim. No, Tim. Yeah. In all seriousness, same to you, Absolutely. I'll let you guys go and find it out. Tim, so. Yes, appreciate the phone call. I, and do greatly appreciate the kind words, and thanks for checking out the content as well. The whole point is to have interesting, intriguing well, guests on all different fronts so that we can get the best out of them, and they can, in turn, bring that content your way. So we're very appreciative of you consuming all of that stuff on that front. Paul, do you only listen to your interviews? No, I don't even listen to my <laughs> my own stuff. He doesn't even listen to the guests when he interviews them. Here's <laughs> it. Oh, boy. Yes, we tease on this program. Yes, we have we a tease. good time. Yes, we, we jab. do. We, we have do. to. Yes. Hey. After all, have you looked at the record lately? It has been uh, quite the roller coaster Indeed. in terms of this season. But in all seriousness, as I've said on the record, as you've said, we still go 100% in previewing all these games regardless of what's on the line. And in all seriousness, I am expecting a competitive game this Sunday, Paul. Well, so I would, am I. I would be very surprised once again if this game gets out of hand for either side. Tim's comment about Tommy DeVito is relevant. I think Tommy DeVito has a long leash here down the stretch to prove that he has a future on a 53. Now, to this point, he comes in as an undrafted rookie free agent and he's on the practice squad. Then he gets elevated due to circumstances. Not because, you know, he was so great on the practice squad that he had to come up. No, he came up because other guys got hurt. That was not of his doing, okay? But he had shown enough on the practice squad that at least they gave him a chance and didn't grab somebody else, excuse me, who was on the street. Now, here's the thing. 
if Tommy DeVito goes out there Sunday and beats Bill Belichick and the Patriots, it's a feather in his cap two weeks in a row, and I think it significantly gives him a longer leash to continue proving over the course of the next couple of weeks or so, or maybe even the rest of the season, that he deserves a spot on this 53 as a backup next year. I think that's very possible, Lance. And I I don't know exactly when Tyrod Taylor will be cleared off IR. He can be cleared for the Packers game. Yeah, following the bye. He can be. Yeah. Okay? But I'm not sure that I'd be so quick to pull that trigger if DeVito beats the Pats. Now, if he goes out there against New England and has a really poor game, the Giants lose and, and he does not fare well, you still try to win games. Remember, coach has to go into that locker room. He's got to go to practice every day with that entire 53-man roster. Look those guys in the eye and say, I want to give you the best chance to win. No one would argue that Tyrod Taylor's experience and talent certainly gives them a better chance to win than an undrafted rookie free agent. However, if DeVito wins two games in a row and has a hand in doing it, because he was a factor in the game last week. He really was. Yeah. But it was Barkley for sure, but DeVito was a factor in the well, game. Well, the throw he made to Barkley was outstanding on the wheel route. Yeah. So now, if DeVito has an impact on winning again this Sunday, well, now all of a sudden you have to give him a longer leash and you have to give him a bit of a longer look because there is a legit possibility. Uh, Tyrod Taylor has a voidable year on his deal to where – Maybe he is not back next year, and you need to find out if DeVito can be your number two. So I think I think Tommy DeVito has a lot on the line in this game against New England. I really do. Well, you know how I feel about Tyrod Taylor. I heavily campaigned right. for them to add him, and I'm a big fan of him regardless of his injury history, but I'm not naive to your point that he's going to be a year older next year. You have to take into consideration, can he hold up? So if the Giants wanted to go in a younger direction— for the backup quarterback position, it is a practical move on their part, and that's why I think there is value. As long as Tommy DeVito performs at a level that gives the Giants a chance to run the offense and keep the team competitive, that if they wanted to stick with him, Paul, for the rest of the season, I would have no issue with that. And I think if you're Brian Dable on the coaching staff, I think you could justify it to Mm -hmm. the locker room because if there's one thing we also saw from that Commanders game, and you know this, Paul, it's a week-to-week league. They crown you one week if you don't perform. But I think as it stands right now, if you went around the Giants locker room, I truly think with sincerity, the guys really like Tommy DeVito. I think they're behind him. Mm -hmm. I think they're pulling for him. And I'm talking about the defensive and the offensive guys. I mean, if you saw the Giants do a great job behind the scenes, NFL films as well. There was the Saquon given back and forth with Daniel Bellinger. Yes. Calling for the play and then... You know, them celebrating each other and Tommy DeVito with the hand gesture when he scored the touchdown. I mean, I think all of that is genuine, Paul. I, it I is. don't think guys are putting on a dog and pony show, I was on the sideline. Right? It I'm was very at. genuine. Correct. So as long as that is apparent, my point is you have the support of the rest of the team that if they want to stick with him, I don't think it's crazy. He's in a prove-it mode. As long as he continues to prove that he gives them a legitimate chance, yep. he's going to get more time. Sure. And legitimate chance means you play well, you make good decisions, mm-hmm. 
and you don't keep turn the it team, over. Correct. You keep the team within striking distance. If that continues to happen, and this is not to me wins losses. He doesn't have to right. go unbeaten. It's just you've it got would to help if they win. But would, he needs to but, perform at a level that's good enough. Correct. From a statistical, from an optic standpoint, if he answers the call in that department, then it makes it very easy on the coaching staff to say, Tommy, we want to give you ample opportunity to go out, gain reps, gain experience, mm-hmm. and further prove that you can have a spot on this roster moving forward. And I think if you are thinking both simultaneously, Paul, about short-term and long-term viability, it then makes a lot of sense to stick with Tommy DeVito because as good as Tyrod is, you know what Tyrod is, right? You don't mm-hmm. need to, if you're the coaching staff, you don't need to see Tyrod to determine what you're getting out of him. He has enough film. He has enough knowledge. You know he can win a game in this you league. You know what he could do. So yes. if you're at the crossroads where mathematically it's a tall order to get into the playoffs, and I'm not saying that they're not going to try to go on and win games, but if Tommy keeps you competitive to the similar degree as Tyrod, you're not presenting the optics to the court of public opinion that you have no interest in winning football games. I think Tommy's presence accomplishes both simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So I'd agree with that. I think all of that is very promising. And yes, the last caller pointed out he's a great story, though I would tell you this. Members of the coaching staff are not making decisions based on who's a good story. They're making decisions based They're on... They're to win. Correct. So Tommy being a local guy and having excitement well, This is goes nice, back to my original point. But that's not what's guiding Tommy the Tommy DeVito has to play, quote, winning brand of football yeah. in order to continue earning his snaps. That's the way I see it. Again, if he plays well and something else happens and they lose this game, I don't think that should impact his status. Completely with you. Plus, I also think this is a great litmus test going up against a Bill Belichick No defense. doubt. Because no doubt. Here's the other thing, Paul. Brian Dable, and he's been asked questions pertaining to this all week. He and Bill Belichick go way back. Remember, Bill gave Brian Dable his first NFL coaching opportunity mm-hmm. in New England in 2000. And Dable has mentioned he has a great deal of respect for the organization, Bill Belichick. But the point is, if anyone knows the inner workings of what Belichick looks <laughs> for, right, in game planning, it's Dable. So the point is, if Tommy could go out there, protect the football, make good decisions, that's going to make quite the statement in the eyes of Brian Dable. Of course it Because will. he knows what Belichick goes through on a weekly basis. I could not agree with you more. Hey, there's another young fella on this team. He was drafted first round, though, named uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. I want to spend just a second talking about him. Sure. Uh, 201-939-4513 is our phone number. Lines are open. Thibodeau, and you have mentioned this probably more than any other host on this program, uh, eclipsing the double-digit sack mark. Yep. First time in defensive coordinator Wink Martindale's NFL career that he's had a double-digit sack guy. The beauty of what Thibodeau has done this season is that he has not done it at the expense of playing the run. He plays the run very well. And 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 so many of these edge rushers who are so worked up about, you know, up in their sack stats or getting caught on SportsCenter or, or the NFL network replays because <laughs> they want to make the highlight play. Kayvon Thibodeau is not afraid to get his nose dirty and slam it up in there to stop a run. And I, I that's what I love about him. Not only is he a really dynamic pass rusher, but he plays an all-around 
tough brand of football. The other thing that's impressive to me about Kayvon, and I want to bring in a former Giant into the conversation. I'm bringing up the stats just to make sure that I'm accurate. B.J. Hill, who then was shipped to the Bengals. Remember his rookie year, five and a half sacks? Mm -hmm. And that, I know you're going to bring up Lawrence Taylor, so don't get crazy on me, okay? It's not I a record. See, all right. I see, I knew before I yes, even you mentioned did. the word. Look at, well, we have someone for those else. of you watching, look at this man's facial expression. I just brought up B.J. Hill and rookie record and already. Well, you know why. I know. There's well, someone on this broadcast staff who continues comments. to associate B.J. Hill's number with a rookie record. Okay. But and I'm I gonna, had and I had to tell her how many times okay. well, that's not the record. And I'm going to make a great point that is going to now allow you to relax. That's why I'm bringing up B.J. Hill. See? That's why I wanted you to calm down. Go ahead. Okay, the point is, the year that B.J. Hill set that somewhat number. Okay? Yes. Not record, number, okay? Very careful in terms of my usage of language. If you remember, he had a three-sack game, did he not? Correct. Three of his sacks came in one game. Correct. So that means, Paul, okay, he played all 16 games that year because I have the numbers in front of me. Tibbs spreads them out. That's my point. That indicates, though, a lot about a pass rush. Consistency. There we go. You see guys, they have like two huge games. So they have a 10-sack season, and then you see they had five or six of them in two games. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, all right, well, the sack wasn't the the spread-the-wealth mentality. Kayvon has had a sack at least one in six of the 11 games he's played this season. So more often than not, Kayvon is getting home. B.J. Mm-hmm. Hill had three of his five and a half in one game. So that means that of the 15 remaining games that B.J. Hill played, he had two and a half sacks. And that to me is the opposite end of the spectrum of what we're seeing out of Kayvon. So you see, I came full circle and I was commending Kayvon by using B.J. Hill as an example to not put up on a pedestal. Can, okay. can you accept that? Is that? That's fine. Okay. I want to make sure that you're in a comfortable spot here. I'm, yes. I'm going to give you another number. Okay. okay. Now, is this B.J. Hill or Kayvon related? No, this is a Kayvon. Oh, this is a Kayvon. Okay. I just want okay. you to set the stage appropriately. You'll love yes. this one. Okay. Because this goes to your point. Okay. Kayvon Thibodeau has only had three games this year where he did not have either a tackle for a loss. Okay, that's interesting. Or a quarterback hit. Gotcha. Which means he is impacting the game. He is getting across the line of scrimmage and playing on the other side of the ball more often than not. And that, to me, instead of talking about his 10.5 sacks, I would talk more about that. The context that we're providing, the fact that... He has had a sack in six of his 11 games. You mentioned, with the exception of three games, either a tackle for a loss or a quarterback hit. That is what you want to see out of somebody that you use a high draft pick out of because what do we talk about, and I use this phrase a lot when it comes to NFL players, reliability. You want to know what you're getting out of a player, Paul. You Mm -hmm. want to know what you're getting out of a team week in and week out. But specifically, you want to know what you signed up for with a player. There's a lot of teams and a lot of talent that it's a roller coaster mentality, right? You see mm-hmm. the ups, you see the downs, and it goes up and down every single other week. With Kayvon, this season has been fairly a straight line, right? Yeah. In terms of his production. And that is probably the most encouraging sign of all. I think he is on the border of becoming a headache player. I don't know if he's 
quite there yet. I still he's think right we there. need he's, to maybe see another season or two. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's right there. He's right there. Dexter Lawrence is a headache player. I think Bobby Okereke is kind of bordering on being a headache player. Well, if you look at what he did with the Colts, Bobby's been a very consistent Really player. good player At least with in the terms Colts. of tackling. And he's yeah. been really good with the Giants now, again, after those first few games. I know the Giants' overall record is not where you want it to be. I think if the Giants had a much better record, maybe his output would be more recognized because he's had a really good year. So I'm going to say right now that Thibodeau and Okereke are, are, are just skimming that border of being headache players. I absolutely believe that Dexter Lawrence is, though. That goes without saying. It's been that way for two years. Well, and also Dex, for a guy who plays on the interior to be able to stop the run and get after the quarterback as consistently as he does. He's amazing. That puts you in territory. I don't say I'm not saying he's Aaron Donald, okay? I think Aaron is in a class of his own, but he's of the skill set of an Aaron Donald, a guy who you play where there's a lot of traffic, yet you still impact the game. The amazing the part is they do it in different ways though. Because Dexter is a mountain of a man. And Aaron Donald is is more about athleticism. Sure, yeah. They're totally different styles of players, but they impact the game in, in, in a similar way in that they both can get after the quarterback, they both can crush the front of the pocket, and they both can stop the run. But I give defensive linemen credit. The guys that, you know, when you're on the edge, Paul, you have the room next no to doubt. you, right? No so doubt. So you have a lot of more flexibility to operate. When you're on the Dexter interior, makes room. Well, he, he does make room. He just breaks sure. through the wall. But here's the thing. Aaron Donald is also of a different body makeup than Dex. And by the way, Donald also moves outside some. Sure, he does. No, that's fair. Dexter's yeah. not doing that. Correct. So that's more of a reason why what Dex is doing, even though his numbers don't always necessarily jump off the page in terms of the sacks. The other statistic related to this conversation that I wanted to bring up, coincidentally, Matt Judon, I know he's hurt. He was the last guy that had the highest sack total yes. in a wink defense. He had nine and a half. Mm-hmm. That was the cutoff. So Kayvon has surpassed that. And it's interesting, this week's Factor Fiction, which we do each and every week, and I know you're involved in terms of the editorial process. I hope I'm not giving away any secrets, <laughs> but we're giving you a little bit of the inner workings of the Giants.com setup. No, the reason why I found this week's Factor Fiction interesting is Dan Salamone put out the phrase about will he get to 16 and a half, and that number is notable because JPP is in that territory. Mm-hmm. It's been time, though, has gone by since we've gotten there. I know. To me, six games, he's six sacks away. It's, he might get 15. Yeah, 16 and a half, 15, though, I think is pushing it. I think 15 right? would be a hell no, of a I'm goal. with you. I, and I was thinking nice. that. That's why I went fiction because you're asking him. I mean, he literally, listen, could he have a two-sack game, Paul? Sure. But if he doesn't do that, he needs to have a sack every single game. Yeah. And that's asking for a lot, even for a guy like Kayvon. So mm-hmm. I could see him falling just short of that number this season with six games to go, including, of course, this Sunday against New England. All right, let's head back to the phone lines as we move forward here. We've got Roy in Charleston joining us. Apparently, everybody from Charleston calls into BBKL today. We had Tim, and now we have Roy. Welcome aboard, Roy. What do you got for us? Hey, shout out to Tim, my buddy. Hey, oh, okay, you know, so you guys know each uh, other. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so they did? Okay. Yeah. We, 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 we corresponded, and uh, he threw a party. I 
my wife and I went. It was just great. So Tim and I, very nice. We talk a lot. So, uh, but you know, uh, I got you. Got to give a shout out to Micah McFadden. Yeah, I mean, him in tandem with Tokarake, I think the two of them are just killing. And uh, you know, this is this is is this Micah's second year or first year? Second year, and I think he's the most improved player on the team. I think so too. He is, and and. You know he's he's got a motor, and I really really mm-hmm. like him. You know, and, and it's funny because when David Mayo was here, now he's with the Commanders. Um, <laughs> I always. I think uh, you're coming in and out in terms of the phone connection, Roy. I'm not sure if you can still hear us, but I can. Can okay. you hear me? Yeah, now we hear you better. You were dropping in and out earlier. Sorry about that, but um, yeah, and you know when David Mayo was on our team, I was a big fan of his and. He's, you know, he's done quite well with uh, Washington. Not though. the but, same yeah, player. Want... No, no. But, uh, but I really, uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to Micah McFadden. He's, he's really improved a lot. I'm glad but, you mentioned Okereke, though, because uh, defensive coordinator Wink Martindale has said many, many times this year that Okereke was a tremendous influence on McFadden in terms of being able to help coach him up. And appreciate the phone call, Roy. We let you go just because of the rough connection. But your point is well taken. I mean, we talked about the two linebackers earlier in the program. Every game, it seems, McFadden, he does something that is active, whether it be for a tackle for loss, whether it be out in open space. And you like to see guys that show up consistently on a weekly basis. And I think if you judge a defense, Paul, really on any level of football, not just the NFL, if your linebackers are leading your team in tackles, that's a good thing. If your safeties are leading the team in tackles, that's not a good thing. Why? Because that probably means that they're getting to the second and third layers. So if you look at the Giants this year, just to give you an example, Bobby O'Karake and Micah McFadden are two of the top three tacklers on the team with McKinney right in between. So that is a good indication that you're not allowing the opposition to get past the middle of your defense more often than not. You want to hear something wild? Micah McFadden has only had two games this year without a quarterback hit or a tackle for a loss. One fewer than even Thibodeau. And McFadden, he has been in 10 games at this point as opposed to 11. Mm -hmm. But still, you're seeing that consistency. All of the guys we're talking about on defense, they're not flashes this season, Paul. You know when they're out on the field... Something is going to happen. And also what needs to be discussed is the chemistry between Okereke and McFadden. It's one thing for two guys on islands to be playing well. Mm -hmm. It's another thing when you see two players at the same position that are in sync with one another. And it's no coincidence that in two games this season thus far, the Buffalo game and the Washington game, we have seen Okereke and McFadden team up to take the ball away. And I think the reason why we're seeing more and more of that as the season goes along is, as I mentioned earlier, Okereke had no history in Wink Martindale's defense. So as the year is going along, he's more comfortable. And this is also a little bit of newness for McFadden as well. I understand he was here last year, but McFadden was not playing as prominent of a role, Paul, in the defense last season. Correct. So he's now getting a little bit more used to specifically what Wink wants him to do. And also, that started to register once they parted ways with Darian Beavers and the opportunity 
was front well, and center for him. Beavers, fortunately, was able to make it back to the practice squad, and I still think that there's upside for him. I think he has a future here. I will say this. If you look at this Giants defense, and this is really, really good news now, look at the the age of the guys who are good on this defense. You know, we just mentioned Dexter Lawrence, Okereke, Thibodeau. Talk about Deontay Banks. Yep. Talk about uh, Pinnock. You know, <laughs> this Giants defense has a lot of younger veterans on the team who, you know, I think they believe have very much upside. Well, I'll just go through the ages. I think, you know, McFadden. Yeah. You know, Beavers, who's not even playing right sure. now. He's got ups. Well, what about Cordell Flott, too? Cordell Flott. Guy, right? Hawkins. Yeah. There's a lot of ups here. A lot of ups on this defense to come. I, I can't. I think next year's defense is uh, is going to be really good. Well, the good news for this is Got to get another pass rusher, though. Definitely have to get after the quarterback more consistently. But you also need the health to cooperate in that department. So mm-hmm. the guys are on the field simultaneously. Aziz Ojolari is somebody that obviously comes to mind in that department. No doubt. But what you pointed out is the young players, it's not just us looking on paper and seeing their age. It's they're getting out there. They're performing. They're getting the reps this season. There are teams, they have young players, but those guys just, they can't get out of the field. And we talk potential, 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 and it doesn't come to fruition. But all of the players that you were just listing, Deontay Banks, Cordell Flott, Micah McFadden, Kayvon Thibodeau, Dexter Lawrence, Bobby Okereke, he's 27 years old, even though he was a free agent, so still has the prime of his career to play out here. All of these players are out on the field, and that is something that you don't see on most teams. Because what do you associate most teams that win? You associate them with veteran players, right, Paul? Right. So most of the veterans are going to get out on the field, and then if an injury happens here or there, you'll give the younger guy an opportunity. The Giants, they don't have the luxury of a bunch of veterans because it's a young roster overall. So they were put in a position. They had to play these guys, but it's one thing to play them. It's another thing for them to justify having them play because they're actually producing. There were really two significant players on defense, McKinney and Adoree Jackson. You don't know if they will be back next year. Because of their contract Because situations. of their contract yeah. situations, okay? But that's it. That's it. And if if those are the only holes that you have to fortify going into the offseason, you you got to feel pretty good. Because a lot of the players that we were talking about, rookie contracts, Kayvon rookie deal, you look at Micah McFadden's on a rookie deal, Deontay Banks and Flatter on rookie deals, Trey Hawkins rookie deal, Dean Belton. is still. Yeah. You know, but know he's, he's more hurt, towards the end of But he's of still it he's still than, going to be inexpensive next year. No, that's fair. But I'm looking at guys who have several years we're talking about on the rookie deal. Right. I mean, you don't have to make a decision tomorrow I know. I know. with respect to that. So let's head back to the phone lines, try to squeeze another one in. Jeff is on Rhode Island joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Jeff? Yeah, well, how you doing, guys? Uh, thanks for squeezing me in. You know, we still have uh, – Giants still have a lot of fans up my way, so uh, – I've been calling since day one. But uh, my question is, uh, what that, what's going on with Ojolari? I know that the guys uh, always heard of something and uh, happened to be able to watch the game last week uh, against the uh, Washington team, and he was uh, pretty much invisible. So is he 
trying to play through an, an injury or a sprained ankle. Uh, what do you know about what's going on with him? Please tell me. The various injuries that have hampered him or sidetracked him early in his career just continue to be a mystery. He's as frustrated as anybody. I mean, I talk to him all the time, and he can't understand why this is happening to him. When he came out of school, you know, there were reports that maybe there was a knee condition that dropped him into the second round. Yeah. That hasn't been a situation for the Giants to deal with at all. He's always had a quad, a hammy, a sprained yeah, ankle. Soft tissue. There yeah. hasn't been any knee that, that I know of that's kept him out of the lineup since he came to the NFL. So that's kind of ironic. It's frustrating as hell, but it's ironic. Um, look, I don't know what percentage he was at against Washington last week, but it wouldn't shock me if he was not anywhere near 100, but good enough to play, and he tried. And again, yeah. given the record of this team, I think everybody should admire the kind of guys who will try to fight through something to get out on that field and give their team the best chance to win and also to show their competitiveness. I also would not overlook the snap count because I'm bringing that up just out of curiosity, and he returned against the Cowboys. He only played... 17 yeah, snaps. The Cowboy game 22%. Was, was minimal. Okay, so it went up. He played 60% of the snaps against the Commanders. I'd like to see the number in that ballpark moving forward Would help. so that we can see. Because when we talk about, okay, you're not seeing impactful plays, well, guys got to get out on the field, right? You need yeah. the snap count to go up to determine whether or not over a larger sample size, he could do some damage. So I think the next few games will determine a lot, assuming he gets in that 60% ballpark about what he could do here. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with all that. You know, I mean, the guy, the kid's got a lot of talent, and if he uh, can ever stay healthy, he could be a huge contributor, I think, in uh, regards to the uh, pressure in the opposing quarterbacks. Well, he's got another year left, okay, and that's yeah. got to be the make-or-break season for him. Next year, Aziz Ojolari has to stay on the field for the bulk yeah. of the season and give the Giants the kind of production that they expect. Otherwise, I don't know how long he's going to be around. You can't wait forever. Well, I got a real good feeling about playing the Patriots Sunday, and uh, I'm telling all the people I know around my way that uh, this is the game of the year between the Patriots. Is it really? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's one way to spin it. All right, Jeff. Appreciate the phone call. (laughs) I don't know if the NFL looks at it the same way, but hey. Maybe we will have a pleasant surprise in terms of both of these teams who, like we said, are really trying to get on the right track from an offensive standpoint. Ojalari, final year of his rookie deal because he was a second-round pick in 2021 next mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. I said coming into this year, I thought Ojalari would be an X-factor. Now, it hasn't come to fruition. I still stand by that comment because if they did get him to stay on the field and perform, I think you would have seen a difference in terms of the pass rush. But... We're probably going to have the same conversation again entering next season until he can get in that, okay, maybe 16 games is too much, 14 games without much interruption. So I'll give him an opportunity to miss three games. Can he play 14 games in 2024? Can you get that out of him in the final year of the rookie deal to better assess what you want to do moving forward? That would be a step forward for him as well as the team to have a little bit more substance to evaluate. If he's going to be here beyond that deal, it's a necessary step. So that's uh, at least a little bit of a teaser in terms of what I'm sure we'll be tackling during the course of the offseason. But that is going to wrap up 
Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. We'll be back up and running again on Monday as we'll recap Patriots-Giants. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. And a reminder that today's episode is part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. Have a restful remainder of this holiday weekend. And always stay locked to Giants.com and tune in to Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one.